0: Welcome to AM Best Audio.
1: U.S. President Joe Biden plans to expand the nation's wind capacity and deploy 30 gigawatts of offshore wind power by 2030, bringing with it construction and installation of nearly 2,100 wind turbines. As a result, onshore and offshore construction and marine activity will quickly ramp up, creating the rise of risk and the potential for additional claims across insurance business lines, such as first-party property, liability, hull, and marine pollution. I'm Lori Chortis for AMBEST TV. And joining us now to talk about that is Corey Greenwald. He's a partner at Clyde & Company. Corey, welcome. Thanks so much for joining us today.
0: Thanks, Lori. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Can you tell us about the expected expansion of wind capacity and the development of turbines in the U.S. in the coming years?
0: Sure. So today, with respect to U.S. offshore wind, there are currently two operating offshore wind farms, um, not with a huge capacity, but and they're off of uh, it's Block Island in coastal Virginia. And as you mentioned, the current administration has a goal to have 30 gigawatts of offshore wind by 2030, which means in less than seven years, we're going to go from less than a gigawatt of capacity um, to hopefully 30 gigawatts. But to get there, um, that will require the construction of approximately 2,100 turbines, corresponding construction of about 2,100 foundations, 6,800 miles of cable, um, and also number a large number of vessels, including you know, an estimated five to six dedicated wind turbine installation vessels. So the process, again, is is ramping up. There are federal leases that have been awarded for about 40 gigawatts of offshore wind, um, and there are roughly 18 projects that have really uh, reached kind of the permitting review stage and two projects that are or two additional projects that are under construction currently. but I think it's also important to note that while we've set these ambitious goals and project activities expected to ramp up this year and through 2026, uh, the U.S. is not going to be alone in working to ramp up its offshore wind capacity.
1: So, Corey, what new rising risks could that create?
0: Sure. So fixed bottom offshore wind farms have been built to scale for quite a long time. So many of the risks that we'll see are not new per se, um, but the construction and operation of offshore wind in the U.S. is relatively new, and undertaking this work under the U.S. regulatory regime could impact how the construction is done, methodologies used, um, and those that are employed in various areas of the industry to get this work done. So we will see the traditional construction um, an operational type of risk that we would see, um, that they're currently seeing in claims that are in Europe and other places in the world. Uh, but they'll include, you know, availability of specialist offshore vessels and experienced crews. There'll delays due to weather, natural catastrophes, supply chain issues could also arise. Um, subsea cable issues, which are prevalent in current offshore wind, um, could, could also arise as well as um, manufacturing issues and issues relating to remote monitoring of these offshore uh, wind projects.
1: What types of insurance claims might we see as a result of those rising risks?
0: Sure. So, From a traditional sense, uh, you'll, you can have claims during the construction process to, for damage to turbine components. Uh, given the number of vessels involved, there could be hull damage to vessels. Liability claims, including for personal injury to crew of vessels and those working on the project sites. And also, with any work that the construction work that's being done in the water, there is a natural risk for um, potential marine pollution, which is something that will be on everybody's mind because of the implications that marine pollution not only has on the environment, but how it's enforced in the U.S. So, that, in addition to that, Claims related to delays in startup um, for various reasons, whether that be weather or availability of expertise, and also kind of bringing that expertise to the project site could result in longer periods of delay um, in startup, as well as similarly uh, traditional kind of business interruption claims where one might have an idea in their mind as to how long it should take to um, have something repaired or replaced, Those could be the timing for that could be exacerbated. Just trying to get resources in the right place, and also, again, making sure that you're taking steps to operate under the and in compliance with the U.S. regulatory regime.
1: What could that mean for insurers, and how are they preparing for the potential influx of claims?
0: I think that insurers are very familiar with the offshore wind space. So, generally speaking, I think it will be more of the same for them, but it is their camp, as you mentioned, an increase of claims in what is a relatively new offshore market where experience in handling these claims, um, it'll be the first time for a lot of for a lot of claims handlers to deal with an offshore wind claim in the US. Uh, so, you know, insurers should remain extra and and will be extra vigilant in assessing the risk understanding the methods of construction that will be that will be employed. You know, I think there will be a particular importance on who the contractors are, how experienced they are in the industry, their ability to service a particular project, given the construction going on, you know, not only what's anticipated in the U.S., but in the rest of the world, and really staying attuned to what is an evolving market. And, of course, operating and dealing with claims that are, you know, being in the U.S. dealing with US, regula- U.S. law and U.S. regulations. So that would probably be one of the newest areas for claims handlers to deal with.
1: Can you tell us about the changing regulatory environment those in the construction and the operation of offshore wind turbines in the U.S. will soon face and how for the first time many developers and contractors will have to deal with the Jones Act?
0: Yes, sure. So first, probably a good place to start is what is the Jones Act? So the Jones Act is a U.S. statute that regulates the carriage of merchandise by water between any two points in the U.S., and that's commonly referred to as U.S. coastwise trade. The Jones Act also regulates towing, dredging, salvage, and other areas of marine transportation. Um, In addition to those type of regulations, the Jones Act also to be um, a Jones Act qualified coastwise vessel, there are certain restrictions that are in place in terms of where the vessel is constructed, ownership and flagging requirements. So that's kind of generally the Jones Act. Um, and also all so the application of the scope of the Jones Act, it's going to apply to all points within U.S territorial waters. Those are all co- considered coastwise points. So that's the U.S. coastline out three miles, nautical miles. Um, and the Outer Continental Shelf Lands Act extends the application of the Jones Act to subsoil um, and seabed of the Outer Continental Shelf or installations permanently or temporarily attached to the seabed for certain purposes. And of particular relevance here, offshore wind um, installations are. Um, Outer Continental Shelf Lands Act attachments, meaning that the Jones Act will apply. So what all this means and what the, you know, some of the primary implications of the Jones Act are, this means that foreign flagged wind turbine installation vessels are prohibited from installing in U.S. waters turbines and turbine components that have been loaded in a U.S. port. There are various other restrictions, including restrictions on dredging in U.S. waters to Jones Act compliant vessels and also service operating vessels and crew and crew transportation vessels must be Jones Act compliant. Um, There are certain certain things such as laying cables on the seabed that are not subject to Jones Act regulation. But for those who are doing work in this in in, in the industry um, and have perhaps experience in the European markets where you can use a wind turbine installation vessel to take components from the port out to the offshore installation site, here that can't be done. So it's going to require, at this point, because there is only one U.S. Um, compliant wind turbine installation vessel, It, ha- but it is still under construction. Um, so until some of the construction of the vessels catches up, there are going to have to be different methodologies employed to do the construction, including using U.S. flagged feeder uh, vessels to take components from shore out to the out to the project site, and then having those lifted by perhaps foreign flagged wind ins- in uh, wind turbine installation vessels, um, as well as the possibility of loading components in a foreign port and having them shipped down to the site um, of the of the construction project.
1: You mentioned that an alternative to the expected rise of risk is to load turbine components on foreign-flagged vessels outside the U.S. and transport them to offshore project sites in U.S. waters. Can you tell us more about that and what benefits or challenges that could create?
0: Sure. So that that has that methodology has been employed once already with one of the two um, currently operating projects, where components were loaded in Canada and then shipped down to the project site. But naturally that involves a longer sea passage, which requires more time and creates additional risk of any, you know, with respect to any sea passage, weather, delay. Um, So it's a a methodology that certainly has been tried, tested and, and can work, but it can have impacts on scheduling and timelines and also perhaps create risk of additional Um, damage to components while they're on their way to the construction site.
1: So what can we expect to see going forward in this area? And in addition to the potential rise of claims, what other impacts might that have for those in the insurance industry?
0: Sure. I I think one, obviously, as you said, a potential for an increase in claims, not only with respect to the turbine components and you know, first party property claims with respect to that property, but also marine claims related to whole liability and pollution, as we've mentioned. Uh, And I think there may be an increased scrutiny from lenders uh, as to the terms of the insurance and how they're going to look at that, how they want to be protected when they're funding projects which um, have great potential, but in a relatively untested market. So there may be additional focus on policy terms and who would respond um, in situations where damage or loss does occur or delay and business interruption does occur. Those are obviously considerations that not only will be taken into account by the project owner, but by their lenders. And a lot of eyes will be on the terms of the policies and, and trying to figure out how they will respond.
1: Corey, thank you so much for speaking with us today.
0: Thank you, Lori. I appreciate it, and uh, good speaking with you, too.
1: That was Corey Greenewald, a partner at Clyde & Company. For AM Best TV, I'm Lori Chortis.
0: Looking to get the full attention of the insurance industry? We have the platforms that will do just that. Whether it be AM Best TV...